I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You were born ready, but uh, where uh, that's your love. That's your. That should be your your license plate. Yes, exactly. I, are you wearing a little crown, Lindsay Murray, or is that a crown on the wall behind you? Behind me, I did. I have a crown. The problem is, like, it's too tall. It doesn't fit into the shot, so I had to abandon it. Well, I love your I love your headdress. And where does the headdress come from? Oh, it's posted on the wall behind you. God bless you, mm -hmm. fireworks. God bless you. And Robert, you what do you do, young sir? I am a radio talk show host in Indianapolis on ninety two on WIBC. And we're going to get to that in a second. And um, I want to welcome everybody to the world according to the fabulous Benjamin Jeremy Stein. Um, we are joined tonight with special guest Rob Kendall. He's a conservative talk show host in the great state of Indianapolis. Um, the state is called the Indiana. Indianapolis, Indianapolis. The state, I know, I just realized that as I said that. Um, but why don't you tell us, it's great, I could edit that, but why don't you tell us uh, what station you're from over there, Rob? Well, first of all, let me say I had so many people ask me to tell Ben what big fans they are of Ben. You're very kind, sir. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. I'm That's speaking for the world. Well, the, whole you, the whole God world of Central Indiana saying what a big God fan. Bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Thank you very much. I, so I co-host co the Mock and Rob show, which is nine until noon weekdays on 93.1 WIBC in Indiana. Wow, that's a very hard gig. Three hours is a lot. That's a really And it's lot. where Mike Pence, I found out, used to broadcast from. So, uh, really? Very yes, good. and he, very he good. actually got to interview the president, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. I did, yes. And he's been great. telling people about great. it for four years. Great. great. Um, and of course... Well, I want to know more about Robert. How old are you? Uh, I'm 37. I today's my birthday. Happy birthday. That's Thank very you. good. Very good. We'll sing happy birthday later. But it's great. Where did you go to school, sir? I went to, uh, my degree is from IU. It's right there on the wall. I, IUPUI is the school, but it's an Indiana degree. Well, if, if I may say this, I have been writing for a very long time, longer than anyone else on the screen has been alive, probably as long as all of you together have been alive, for the American Spectator, which got its start at IU. And uh, we are all very, very much big fans of IU. And uh, God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Thank you. And now I'm scared again because Indi IU is Indiana, right? So that yeah. would be the home of um, one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. And Bobby Knight. Notre Dame. Go, Go Hoosiers. I, I'm not mistaken. but And of course, let's welcome from Times Square, fabulous presenter. You are on Times Square? Right no, 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 you have that clever thing where you can change your background, right? Yes. Right? Very good. I like it. It would be. Uh, we'll, we'll teach you how to set that up. But I think your background is fairly cool enough, Big Haas. And I want to welcome everybody out there listening on our YouTube feed, um, live stream, um, The World According to Ben Stein, also on Facebook, like us, love us. Um, I want to, of course, this is a Ben Stein year special. I want to wish everybody a happy new year. I think part of the impetus for this, impetus for this show was that I brought up at the end of the last show that um, this has been a rough year for a lot of people, Rob, Lindsay, Ben. A lot of people are struggling. Um, a lot of people are lonely. And, um, you know, you don't have to be alone. And, um, and a lot of people are struggling with addictions and all of those other things. I know these are 
these, but these are what people struggle with at this time of the year. And um, so I think Ben, more than anything for me, wanted me not to be alone. I know that. And, I know it. Um, I, I ho I'm hoping that although moments ago you said you were not coming, I am hoping that you will change your mind and get in that fabulous car and go, go, go. You can listen to the radio the whole time. And uh, it's more or less the same as, uh, any, as any other great experience. And you can stop at our favorite gas station, get an ice cream sandwich. You're all set. Um, and uh, so thank you very much, sir. Um, and I want to welcome everybody, of course, but Rob, your thoughts on that, because this has been, you know, everybody a crazy trying times. I don't even want to talk about it, but I don't think people talk enough about what it is doing to people up here. I don't think that is, is people like to gloss over, you know, this, this, this sheer terror that we've been living in for the better part of nine months. I mean, nine months at this point. Nine times. Yes. Yeah, my, yeah it's, it, I, the only person who talked about it in a very caring way was Donald Trump. Mr. Kendall, sir. We, we've talked a lot about this on the air. That I think you could make a compelling case. My dad tells me up and down that the Great Depression far eclipses this. But you can make oh, it far, 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 far eclipses this. It was but, not even close. But you could make a compelling case that 2020 is one of the five, maybe six most horrific years in American history. Now, I bet 1863 is probably up there. I mean, oh, I, I, well, well, this is this is not like the Bolshevist show where everybody has to agree with everybody else. So we can uh, we can disagree. Uh, if I may say so, uh, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as any year during the Great Depression. It's certainly not as bad as any year during the Civil War. Uh, certainly not as bad as the uh, first uh, as, as the first several years. In fact, all the years of World War II. It's a, but we can acknowledge it's in the top 20. It's a been an effing terrible time, and I think uh, largely brought on by the incredible overweening, controlling, authoritarian nastiness of the authorities, especially in our state that Judah and I happen to live in, Sunny Cal, and uh, the craziness of uh, our governor can hardly be overestimated. What say you, Rob? I, no, I think he's absolutely right. We've seen it even in our state. And that's the amazing thing, right, is even an ultra left state like where Ben is at, but even in Indiana, which is supposed to be a Republican state with a Republican governor, Republican legislature, uh, Republican, two U.S. Uh, senators that are Republican, there's been, uh, you know, a million plus people put out of work. Thousands of businesses have been shut down. It doesn't seem to be a partisan thing. It seems to be an elitist them versus us sort of thing. It's not a Republican or Democrat thing, which is amazing. It's, I think that's exactly right. I want, before I chime in, I would love to hear from Lindsay Marie on this the same issue. Well, I agree. I definitely think it's an us versus them. It's the political elites versus the everybody else. And we see this time and time again, they enforce or they want to enforce lockdowns and they want to place restrictions on us, but yet they're exempt from them. And Rob, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the Indian state legislator exempted themselves from the mask mandate that they gave the rest of the state. Wow. And it's, you know, it's rules for thee, but not for them. I mean, it's crazy. And I think people are finally starting to wake up to the fact that we are treated differently than the ruling class. Yeah, and I think th this is so uh, amazingly true in California, where we've seen some of our top officials 
just thumb their nose at the rules and just take a big dump, if I may use the crude phrase, on the rules that apply to the ordinary citizen. And I, I have what, although uh, Robert, I think, uh, I think Robert was getting get exactly this point. While this is nowhere near as bad, not even in the same universe as the Civil War or the Great Depression, people are scared of their own government in a way that I don't think we have ever seen before, except in the Southern United States during the Civil War. People are scared of their own government. The uh, wild, wild behavior of the Democrats uh, in all their persecution of a man who is truly a great president, Donald Trump, has uh, no parallel and I think tells us that we really must be afraid of our government. Now, it's, not, it's not just that they don't come to help us, they're scaring us. But, you know, I want to bring up another point about what, getting back to this thing, what they're scaring us with. We used to have faith in institutions, okay? We used to have faith in, you know, you know Ben in the 60s, right? I mean, we had faith in NASA getting to the moon. We don't have faith as Americans right now in the CDC, in Dr. Fauci. Right, but we don't have faith in what they're telling us is even, is, is, is remotely, that they, that they know what they're talking about. We right. don't have Einstein in there. We don't have like, you know, right now it's like we, we don't have faith. We've lost faith. And um, that's a very I, sure, 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 dear friend. I don't think it's an issue of their intelligence, although I do very much question the intelligence of some of these people. I think we, we have ethical questions about that. I mean, the Democrats who went after uh, various Republicans uh, on, on Capitol Hill, they weren't just doing it because they're stupid, although some of them are, but they are bitter, vengeful people. And the, the vehemence and cruelty with which they went after a great man who's now in the Supreme Court is just astounding. The vehemence and cruelty with which they went after Donald Trump, who God knows makes himself a target, uh, is astounding. I mean, the, the cruelty, sad, I would even say sadism of the people on the other side who go after perfectly honest, hardworking uh, civil servants and public servants uh, there's no parallel that except during the Civil War when there was real violence. There was actual violence within the chambers of the U.S. Congress. Uh, but uh, that's not, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't think since then, which is quite a long time ago, we, uh, we've seen anything like this level of anger within the government towards other members of the government. It's real. There's something sick about the level of anger at this point. Rob? No, I, I think he's right. And I think one of the big problems, and you know, Ben can speak to this very eloquently, there was always in America an idea of, of hope. And we talked a lot about this the past couple of weeks that, look, American politicians, especially from the presidency or the, the highest offices in the land were built around hope. You may not have agreed with their policies, but even, you know, we think about Reagan, the shining city on the hill, Roosevelt, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. You had Bush in the rubble of 9-11 standing up saying, they will all hear from us soon. Even Obama, while I disagreed with almost all of his policies, it was hope and change. The idea America's, you know, we're going to be better. The, these words that are coming from Biden about the, you know, the dark winter, this is not America, right? I mean, on so many levels, the past nine going on 10 months, 
America has completely done a 180 and it's not the America we recognize and not the America that sustained us for 240 plus years. I just want to say to you very quickly, Joe Biden, Jimmy Carter himself before he even got in. Okay. That's how depressing and dour Joe Biden is that he Jimmy Carter himself before even taking office. Well, I'm, I'm, I, what does that mean, Jim? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, when by Jimmy that. Carter said we have a, you know, the next four years or the next, what was it, the, the exact quote, won't be better than the last. You know, we have a crisis of conscience in America and, you know, there's no hope. Wasn't that one of his big speeches, Jimmy Carter? I, I don't remember that speech. I mean, he was so loathsome in so many ways. It's hard to isolate any one part. But I would like I would like to ask a respectful question to Lindsay. You're just a child. I mean, do, do you feel that your future in America is nowhere near as bright as, I think you're 23 or something, some very, very young age, 22. Uh, I mean, I felt as if the future for America my own future, very questionable because I was just a drug user, but the uh, but the uh, future of the country was uh, great. And, and do, you, do you feel as if the future of the country is great still? Well, I think some people are starting to wake up to the fact that government is not going to be there to save them and to help them and that they are responsible for helping themselves. And if they something goes wrong, they have to figure it out or their neighbors have to help them. I think more than ever, people are starting to learn different skills and rely more on themselves and their communities which I think is going to be better off in the long run than a mass of people believing that the government's our savior and we don't have to worry because they're going to show up when things go really wrong. I think the more that I see myself doing things that I need to do for myself versus the government or waiting for someone else to do it, the more positive I am about the future. And I see other people starting to do the same things. People are starting gardens that never did before. They're learning to make their own clothes. They're homeschooling their kids, all these things, because the government did such a poor job the last nine months that they're now taking it upon themselves and empowering themselves. Because when the citizens are empowered, you don't need a large government. Well, I, if I may say so again, I, I don't think it's a question of the competence of bureaucrats and civil servants. I worked with the federal government for a, not a terribly long time, but for some time. And these were some of the most hardworking, intelligent people I ever knew in my life. In fact, the people I worked with when I was at the White House and the Federal Trade Commission are without question the smartest people I ever worked with. But I think what we've seen in the last few years, especially since Mr. Trump was inaugurated, is a viciousness and an evil, mendacious uh, quality that's uh, just ter terrifyingly upsetting. And uh, I mean, the, with the, the way they went after the Supreme Court nominee, a perfectly fine uh, man, uh, it, was, it was unbelievable the way they went after Mr. Trump with these completely made up allegations about Russian collusion and all kinds of subversion and treason. It was completely made up. It was very reminiscent of the Stalinist show trials. You guys are way too young to even remember even writing about it. I, I wasn't alive during it either. But uh, I think we have seen in America, which is now considered to be at least somewhat Stalinist, and its government, it's not hasn't reached to me. I mean, I'm I'm sitting in my very comfortable study of my house, but uh, I, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared to drive down the road uh, for fear that some policeman who's been hepped up on some kind of a program uh, is going to flag me down and pull me over, basically for being white. 
you raise a great point. And by the way, the speech was the crisis of confidence speech, where he said a majority of our people believe that the next five years will be worse than the past five years. Um, that was a speech by Jimmy Carter. And if you just tuned in, you are listening to the Ben Stein New Year special. We're joined by Rob Kendall from uh, Conservative Talk Show radio host in Indianapolis. I'll tell you, give the call numbers um, in a second. I want to thank everybody that's listening on YouTube. We are going to do a certain giveaway tonight. You, we're going to play um, a fun game called Stump the Sign, where we um, and we will gladly send you guys autograph books if you can stump them, and even if you can. You but they can't be ridiculous. They can't be ridiculous questions like when is my mother's birthday. That's questions that a, a well-educated, well-informed person would know, but not personal questions. As I say, like uh, uh, how old was I when I first uh, learned about sex? And it can't be. Anything. It, right. It, it can't be right. It can't be like, what am I wearing? Um, right, and exactly. of course, we're joined by presenter extraordinaire, Lindsay Marie. We got to give a big, uh, am I allowed to bring up the article you uh, got submitted today, Lindsay? Yeah, go ahead. Why don't, you well, why don't you tell people where they could find your new article? It's actually a satire piece and it's up at Daily Drunk Mag. Um, oh, that's quite funny. It's quite a funny. satirical piece about ADHD. And it was sort of uh, me pushing back against a lot of things I've been told over the years about if I just only tried harder, that uh, things would be so much easier. I can't believe that anyone ever said you had ADHD. That's a little hard well, to believe. I, I don't think, I think that, did anyone ever tell you that? That's impossible to believe. I'm medicated, so it's uh, manageable. We're, we're, we're all medicated one way or the other, but I wanna welcome everybody back to the world according to Ben Stein. Um, about four years ago, Ben, I, I wrote a piece for The Spectator about how to get laid on New Year's Eve if you're a Republican in the Trump world. And I took a, um, uh, okay, I think it was an okay Cupid form. And I, um, and, uh, I uh, you know, filled out like what a, Democrat, a liberal would say to the women so they wouldn't know that they're a Republican on New Year's. So like one of the things I said was, you know, say you love PETA, Say you um, like I the love, band. I love Peter though. So that's just... Say you love the band, the Pixies. Hey, then you uh, you know, you know. There's certain things I was like certain. Um, you know, you love going a lot with Will Affair or Coachella. You know, those are like certain code words. But I want it, it, it's something I really want to talk about. That that's where we are right now in this world. Um, is is it? it, it We've been in it a while, but Trump really exacerbated it. Is um, this divisiveness that we have in our country that people won't even date, talk, discuss anything with people that might think differently, and that is one of the most frightening thoughts. It's very, it's very frightening. I, I want to just take a break for just a second. Can you, you guys look, Glenn. This is Glenn. Glenn, come here. Glenn, wave hello to everyone. Glenn is my care, <laughs> care caregiver because I hurt my knee quite badly. This is Glenn. And his male is from the Philippines. And his name is Glenn Miller. Glenn Miller Oyan. Okay, now Glenn, I want you to do this, please. This is a glimpse into the personal life of me. I want you to call Panda. Okay, Panda. I want you to order a large shrimp with walnuts and a large compact chicken. Wait, 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 not finished. And, 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 I want and he, wants, he wants a honey walnut and a, and a black pepper chicken, a honey walnut, and Kung Pao. You're good to yeah, go, Black. So get all this. 
And Rob, what do you think about that, though? Well, not about what Ben's eating, <laughs> about about um, about uh, the, the, the 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 you know I you know a quick story. I had a friend that directed a very big show in Hollywood. He used to make me come to it every Friday night, and uh, I would. But you know, pre the election, at the election, all of a sudden he stopped talking to me. This is one of my closest friends I have in the world. In my wildest dreams, Rob, I would never think about defriending somebody because of their political beliefs. Well, it's funny. We actually talked about this yesterday on, on the radio show. But anyone who would, anyone who would not be your friend over your political beliefs was never your friend to begin with, right? Uh, but, 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 if I may I interrupt, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's your show. Go ahead. No, no, it's, no, no, it's, no, it's America's show. It's America. America. It's America's show, Rob. You go ahead. You were discussing it on your show yesterday. Bob, Bob. I dropped my phone. I'm a person. I make all kinds of mistakes. I'm a human being. Okay, okay Rob, go ahead. This is our New Year's special. Go ahead, Rob. I just, it's fascinating to me the lack of shared values maybe that exist in America now. It used to be a point of where it seemed like we all were going or wanted to go to the same place. We certainly disagreed on how to get there, but we were all pulling in a shared direction. What's happened in our city of Indianapolis and the destruction, the riots that have happened over the past, the homelessness problem, the, the business shutdowns, we're not pulling in the same direction anymore. The country is really split in half. And I'm not sure if we ever are gonna have a shared direction that we're going anymore. And I don't know how you put it back together. Well, wait a second, may I say something, please? And considering the fact that I am three plus times Lindsay Marie's age, uh, the country has been split for a long, long time. I mean, the country was really very badly split during the Civil War. But I think the level, and, and Prosperity. There, there really are no big issues in America like slavery was before the Civil War. The country is incredibly, unbelievably prosperous by and large. There are many exceptions, but by and large, it's incredibly prosperous. By and large, there is no racial discrimination at all anymore. That's a total myth and a complete lie. But see, there is the example of what is wrong with America. This total lie of systemic racism is being used to pull the country apart. And that, it seems to me, is Nazism. Like Just like the Nazis used this complete lie that the Jews were not humans, were in fact human-looking human tuberculosis, and they were ruining the whole German society. We've got something here similar, just in terms of its far-fetched ridiculousness, which is the idea of systemic racism. This country is the least racist it's ever been. It's probably the least racist of any large industrial democracy. And, uh, and yet media whips us up into a frenzy about it all the time. And we now have this incredible craziness where Black Lives Matter is dictating the curricula in various schools. That's insanity. And that's ripping the country apart. As long as that is continuing, I see no end to the divisiveness in this country. I am sitting here, I, this old man, I'm sitting here at our club in the desert, a town called Rancho Mirage. And 
we all get along great. Why? Because we were raised in the 50s and 60s. And we were raised to believe that America is the greatest. And we have no question it is, none at all. And, uh, but today's young people are not being taught that. They're being taught to hate their own country. I'm sorry to be rambling on. I just, saw, I just saw on the news that one of the horrible Ayatollahs in Iran said, it's great, now American children are being taught to say death to America, just like Iranian children. That's, I'm told, I'm told that the numbers are being done by Black Lives Matter, a really seditious, scary group, just in my humble opinion. And why anyone listens to them or pays attention to them, I have no idea, except apparently they are making tons of money for the people who run them. That's always the way it works. And by the way, for the record, Ben is the youngest person at his country club. Lindsay Marie, have that you That actually is true. It is very true. Lindsay Marie, have you, I mean, you know, obviously I've always thought it's different for women and men as far as dating or friendships go, but in particular, like in LA and dating, you know, it's, uh, they put on the apps now, I'm actually doing research on this. They put on the apps, you know, Republican, conservative, they put your political things. And this has changed since I did research on apps a couple of years ago. Can I, like, ask what, can I ask a question? No. What is it? Yeah. Uh, it like, like well, you know, a dating app, a dating application. It's like what you order Panda Express from. Um, but uh, Lindsay, how, is it, how has it affected you or your friends? I think the thing that's interesting too is um, I think it's Pew Research study shows that for the first time in history uh, a couple years ago, uh, people would rather their um, children marry someone of a different race than of a different political party. No, no, so no, think no, about I, that when you compare I, that please, to. Please, 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 please tell me you're teasing us. Please. No, she's not. It's a, there's a Pew Research poll. Please, 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 please tell me you're. Continue, you're Lindsay. So um, no, you're kidding. I know you're always kidding. No, ben, she's Ben. She's not. But go on, Lindsay. Um, but this is something where it's it's a I slightly joke a little bit, but the fact that everyone hates me because I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. So as a libertarian, like I get it from both sides, depending on what issue I'm talking about. And there are people on both sides that will not talk to me or they automatically judge me if they know my affiliation right off the bat. So if I'm meeting people in the comedy world, for instance, um, if they know my affiliation and things I've written, they treat me a lot different a lot of times than if they just met me as Lindsay Marie and doing comedy stuff together. There's always this judgment and I don't get that because if I only was friends with people that believe like I did, I'd have like five friends. Like you Where can't do friend? that. There are very few of them. <laughs> I think uh, you have to get along with people and people are more than their ideologies. They're more yeah. than their political affiliations. And if that's you can't see past that, I think that's a huge problem. Can I tell a real quick Lindsay Marie story? Yeah, please God, do. I don't know what you're about to say. The first time I ever met Lindsay Marie was at a political function. A con I think it was a, a convention of, of sorts, a party convention. And she just showed and there was a line of men lined up to meet Lindsay Marie. It was like a Benstein book signing. Well, Lindsay Marie is a very, very wonderful young woman. I can easily believe it. And uh, well, th thank you for that. Thank you for thank you for the uh, Lindsay Marie compliments. Uh, they are they are plenty. But you know, here's a perfect example, and I just want to share this with people that are listening on YouTube. This is how bad it is, and because I've actually witnessed it, and I've had lunch 
yeah, lunch with them, um, is Ben's hero, other than his father, who is uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Um, and Ben's closest friends, one of his closest friends from childhood, who lived, I believe, next door to him for most of his exactly. life, exactly. um, was the man that brought down his hero. He didn't do it. He had plenty of company. He didn't do it by Right. He didn't do it by I, I, I'm trying to be nice to Paul Bernstein. He, 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 you know, I, I'm praying for him. And um, anyways, ben and, ben and Carl have remained in contact, have remained friends. We had lunch on, I believe, Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. Um, I, uh, and, 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 and that always has taught me a lesson. Now, sadly, the people that are screaming the loudest aren't showing this. So it's, it, it, it's, it's really important that people out there, even that are on the YouTube, that, you, that we can be friends. I mean, because the people in the Senate and the House, they're friends, most of them. You know, this is a game to them. And I'll never forget when I saw that, that, that bastard, Ted Kennedy, who left a woman to die on the side, on the side, of, on the side of a river, on the side of a lake or river, uh, Mary Jo Chapekny. And it was the ocean, exactly the ocean. It was an, I thought it was, a, I didn't think it was an ocean, but, um, and everybody in the Senate was mourning this monster's loss. And that's when I realized all these people just are, are, are people that never wanted to graduate from college. You know, they, they, they wanted it. It's like, I look at the House and the Senate as, as the continuation, you know, like they have a commissary, they would go on a recess, they go on break. And I always look at them as like they just—they—they—they they, they just want us fighting. Uh, I think you're entirely correct, and uh, it is it, the the Congress is like a club, and they get—they do tend to get along well with each other. When somebody stands up and and goes against the grain, the media and the rest of the Congress rips them down pretty quickly. You guys are all way too young to remember uh, Joe McCarthy who in many ways his behavior was outrageous, but in many ways it was totally correct. Wait a second, hold on a second. Where are you going, Glenn? Where are you going? Uh, uh, and I, I want to welcome everybody to the world according to Ben what? Stein. That's, but uh, it's a New Year's special and the world according to Ben Stein has to do with Panda Express often enough. And, and, um, and ribeye steaks, ribeye steaks. And Ben's ordering, but we're joined tonight by the live stream and I will get to your questions in a second, but we're joined by Rob. Kendall from a conservative radio talk show host in Indianapolis. Um, can you tell us the call signs, Rob? Yeah, 93.1 WIBC. It's the Mock and Rob show, which airs 9 to noon weekdays. Can you stream it? Oh, yeah. WIBC.com. WIBC.com. And, of course, from Times Square, libertarian and presenter, Lindsay Marie. But, uh, Ben, somebody has a question for you, and I will ask this for everybody, but... Uh, you know, where, uh, what is your opinion on what's going on politically? I mean, um, uh, you know, that was a question. I mean, everything's political. I mean, it, what, about what, what is going on politically about what, sir? I don't know. I'll have to wait for their next question. It's New Year's. Let's, and go, way, let's go on to another question. And by the way, my name is uh, J Judah, not Jonah. Um, what is the best book to read about Richard Nixon, somebody asked? That is a really, really good question. Excellent question. I think the best book to read about Richard Nixon is one by my dear friend, uh, Patrick J. Buchanan, who is a really, really, really smart guy. And uh, 
he wrote a book called The Greatest Comeback about how Nixon came back after being cheated and robbed of the election in 1960 and how he methodically, brilliantly worked his way back against overwhelming public opinion manufactured fake, fake news, fake public opinion manufactured by the left wing media. He worked his way back to becoming president. And uh, that's a really interesting book about how Nixon worked. Uh, otherwise, Nixon himself wrote a very fine book. Uh, I think it's out of print, but it might be available in paperback uh, called Six Crises, which is quite interesting and uh, I think well worth reading. Um, uh, Bill Sapphire, uh, William Sapphire, who was a genius columnist for the New York Times, wrote a book called Before the Fall about uh, what Nixon's uh, life and, and presidency were like before the uh, Watergate uh, persecution of him. That's a fine book too. Um, I actually am in my own pitiful way working on a book about me and Nixon, uh, but that is not going to be by any means. Yes, it will be. It'll be a tour de force. But Rob, let me ask you both, you and Lindsay, both a question because you both, you know, Rob, you're obviously you're on the air three hours a day. Um, when you get off air, and you're, I think you're married, um, or you're, I'm dating. You're dating, and um, it's good to know that dating is such a code. It could be such a code. I'm where, married. I am. Um, but Rob, Rob is dating. What do you do? You, do you discuss? Isn't the last thing sometimes you want to discuss politics? Well, it's, I think it's interesting because it's woven into the fabric of who I am. Like every person I meet that knows who I am, that's what they want to do. The person I'm dating is very interested in politics. She she has a libertarian, certainly a libertarian tilt to her belief system. So I think there's politics in everything. And I think one of the things that conservatives have to do better is understand the culture in which younger people live, the, the, the way that they're being raised, the way they're being educated, the, the YouTube generation, if you will, because we're not reaching a, a, a lot of those people. And so I really enjoy these conversations that we get to have because it helps me learn how to better converse with a different group of people that maybe traditionally talk radio um, doesn't meet. I did have one quick question for Ben, if that's all right. To yeah, please. You asked. Give me a long question. Do you believe, as it relates to Nixon, he made a mistake in 1960 because he won that election? I'm totally convinced. Did he make a mistake and set the country on a bad path by not challenging that election harder because he won? That is a really good question. And it, it shows his incredible nobility and patriotism that he did not challenge it. Uh, but I think he probably should have challenged it uh, and uh, demanded a recount. Uh, I think uh, the blatantness of the steal by Lyndon Johnson and his cronies and the uh, blatantness of the outrageous theft in Illinois by Mayor Daley and his associates um, should have been questioned. And uh, Dixon was a very polite, uh, gentle soul and uh, uh, Except we had been drinking too much, but that was very rare. Um, and uh, I think he probably should have questioned. He should have questioned. Um, I don't know if it would have done any good, but. Uh, Which goes, it's a good yeah. question because it goes to another question that we have in the YouTube as far as voter fraud. 
um, as far as um, do you think uh, anything will happen for voter fraud? And I don't, I, the answer I think is absolutely not. Rob? Ben, Ben, sorry. Well, the night of the election, uh, a very close friend of mine, very, very, very close friend of mine from co Korea, uh, and I went to a uh, Republican victory party celebration out here in the desert. And, and uh, the news was on, was saying Trump was pulling ahead, uh, that the out-of-state absentee ballots had already been counted, and they had given Biden a big victory, or a victory, but that once the real votes were coming in, Trump was ahead, and there was nothing on the horizon that would keep him from winning. And my friend and I left the party thinking, wow, uh, he's won. And uh, as soon as I got home, uh, I had a text from Judah saying, he's not going to win. The fix is in. And uh, they're not going to, the Democrats are just not going to let him win. And I, I mocked Judah and said, that, no, 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 clearly Trump has won. But by the morning, it was the conventional wisdom that Biden had won. I don't think he did win. I very much applaud his fighting back against voter, voter fraud. Uh, I'm very, very sad that no court had the uh, guts to order recounts. I mean, the, the stories that were floating around about fraud were so convincing, so powerful, so overwhelming. And they think they merited uh, attention. But I'll tell you something else. Something that uh, Lindsey Marie probably doesn't know about me is that I was for a time in my life a statistician and studied a fairly fairly large amount of statistics and knowledge. And uh, once you have a trend, a large trend that's been going on for a while in an election, it doesn't suddenly turn around. That's just not the way elections work unless there's a fix. And I think Judah very brilliantly uh, said the fix is in and he was right. Well, let's get to Lindsay. Um, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Because I, this is a huge part of your life is activism. And I really do believe we're gonna, we have a lot of disenfranchised um, people right now, Lindsay. And um, is there gonna be a new, I mean, I don't believe that there's a party anymore. The Republican party exists. I don't know if people are gonna go to the Libertarian party or, or it's gonna be the party with the capital T well, what do you think is going to happen since you're so, so into the judicial system? Well, it would definitely be interested to see what happens. Um, I do know that beginning with Trump's presidency, the LP Libertarian Party's um, member base started skyrocketing. It grew exponentially during that time. Um, it's the only growing party right now and has been for the last many, many years. Um, the issue with the Libertarian Party is that the majority of people don't know it actually exists. They think a Libertarian is just like a Rand Paul, someone who's in the Republican Party and opposes foreign wars and things like that. Um, but the party itself is completely separate ideology from the Republican Party. Not only do they not believe in government intervention in economic issues, but also social issues. And so I think with younger generations, they do sort of align with that belief. People that are like my age, Rob's age, they just don't know that that Thanks for not exists. putting me in that because I'm an old man here, but uh, thanks. But, how old are you, Lindsay Marie, how old are you? You've told us every time you saw prison to her age. But go on, sorry, Lindsay. I do think younger generations, um, they do align 
ideologically with the Libertarian Party, but a lot of times people don't know it exists and or they just want to be independent. They don't want labels on things. And but the problem is you have to vote for someone if you want to vote most of the time who has a label behind their name. Well, Judy, yeah. if I can say so, I'm, I've seen the Republican Party dead and buried and counted out so many times. It never happens to be true. Someone, I think, I could be wrong, I'm often wrong. People, someone will come along and be a dynamic voice in the party. Uh, Senator Cotton already, to me, is that voice. Uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of hearing him speak and having dinner with him. Uh, I, I think he's a very impressive guy. Uh, he's, he, he could use some lessons in speaking, quite a few lessons, but uh, his heart's in the right place. And I think if he could get, dynamize himself to make up a word, I just, I just did. Um, I think he could be the leader. And there, and there are probably others in the party who could be the leader. But the Republican Party, as I say, it's been counted out so many times. It's a joke. Yeah, but, but, but it, it, it's what my... It, Somebody, somebody had a comment in the section. What I, what, what I meant is you're right. Right now, the Trump supporter is pissed off that if they continue this voter fraud, voter fraud and we, with the rigged elections and no Republican in the Senate has enough guts like Josh Hawley actually did and said that he won't, that, that he'll challenge it, then we will have a bunch of disenfranchised 70, more, 70 million some odd voters in this country, Rob. Yeah, but there, okay. Well, one thing I want to piggyback off what Lindsay Marie said, which is in the state of Indiana this year, we saw an amazing almost 400,000 people vote for the Libertarian. He went from the previous Libertarian getting less than 4% to almost 12%. The vast That's amazing. That's, a, it, it, it is. That. That's astonishing. Wow. Well, the, the, the Libertarian candidate had Rob Kendall supporting him. That's why, <laughs> um, uh, in large part. <laughs> but most of these people were Donald Trump voters who were highly enraged at our governor, Eric Holcomb, who did not govern like a Republican, did the shutdown, did the mandate, the mask mandates, tried to put people in jail for not wearing a mask, all the stuff. So there's an opening for the Libertarian Party. The question is, and Lindsay can speak to this as well, is can you capitalize on that? Because energy and passion only gets you so far. You've got to have that, that infrastructure and ability to put boots on the ground, money coming in, things of that nature. Otherwise, it's just a, you know, a one-off thing. Yeah, a lot of those voters were passion voters who were very angry about what was happening. It was a high arousal emotion situation. They're not going to probably remember that in the next four years unless the Republican governor, Eric Holcomb, continues to act like a Democrat, which I believe he will. Um, and I think what's going to happen the next go around for the gubernatorial race is going to be interesting because I believe the same libertarian is running again and said he wants to. Um, so it's a matter of taking those voters that were angry originally, hoping they're still angry, and then also trying to work in some ideology because it's not just about a protest vote. It's about tapping into that ideology that a governor should not be able to do this. This is a government intervention that is not necessary and is unconstitutional and against the state constitution as well. And that's okay. going to be the tricky part. I just want to get this straight because a lot of people are asking. So, Lindsay, a, a libertarian can be pro-life, right? It, 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 it's not an... The uh, Libertarian Party does not take a stance outright on that. So I know people in the party that are on both sides of that issue, um, just like with Democrats and sometimes Republicans, you don't always get every single person to agree on that same part of that issue. And, and Judah, you. one thing I wanted to piggyback on off that, in Indiana in 2020, this Libertarian, Donald Rainwater is the guy's name, by the way, if you want to check him out, 
a lot of Reagan people would love Donald Rainwater. A lot of Trump people would love Rainwater. Uh, he won. He got second place in 33 of our 92 counties. He beat the Democrat yeah. in 33 of the 92 counties with minimal infrastructure and donations. It was really incredible. And but, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, Rob, and Rob, Rob, if I may say so, rarely is the word incredible used correctly, but that really is incredible. I'm very impressed. Very impressed. And and Ben just oh, ben so, Stein's just, impressed with me. Bucket list, yes, sir. <laughs> and 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 you asked him an incredible question. Um, but Ben, what I'm sort of saying is like this, right? So you, 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 it, there there was no candidate in the, in the Republican Party in the last election other than Trump that would have won. That's just in my humble opinion. There's sure nobody. There's nobody. Trump did win. Right in in, in both elections, in which there's none of them. In 2000, in 2016, would have won Wisconsin, would have won Pennsylvania, right, would have won right. any of these states, right, and right. would have won Ohio so comfortably. And that's my point: is it's not that you're right; it's not that the, the Republicans or whatever you want to call them will have a comeback, but it's not going to be the party of Mitt Romney. It's not going to be the I party of Paul Ryan. No, I think, I, but I think the Republican Party is a big tent, as the saying goes. And we can accommodate the country club Republicans, and we can accommodate extremely conservative Republicans. And I think we have to, and we will. To me, the dynamic force in the Republican Party is right to life. I know that's uh, not the libertarian view, but to me, that is the dynamic voice and uh, issue. And uh, I, I don't think there is any more sacred issue at this point. And America is still a country that is very much devoted to religion, to uh, worship of God. And uh, I think that is the issue can, that can electrify a great many voters. And somehow, someone, and, and I, I don't know who it will be, but some very smart person, a very passionate person, has to convince the suburban soccer moms or whatever it is they're playing uh, uh, and uh, explaining to them that uh, however inconvenient it is to uh, have a child, and believe me, I'm a father, I know, and a grandfather, I know it's very, uh, raising children is very, very challenging. Um, it's uh, uh, right to life is, it seems to me, uh, a shining beacon in a confusing, uh, foggy world. And, and just to add to what you just said, and I think Rob and Lindsay could add, I think the Republicans have done a terrible job of, of opening the tent even bigger. I think, yeah. I, you know, Trump showed that you could get into the black community. I don't think we've, we, we've made inroads in the gay community. I think the Republican Party really needs to change its charter towards homosexuality. And um, I think the Republicans have really screwed the pooch for many years on how big their tent could be. Because we live, even if you go into West Hollywood, Ben, a lot of them, a lot of the people that live there who are gay would gladly vote conservative if we if if certain members of, of the party spoke a little differently well i know you and i know that because uh there's a wonderful wonderful store in uh, a big 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 grocery store called pavilions i i think it's in some way connected with safeway but i'm not sure exactly how but anyway and when we go up and down the aisles there my wife doesn't shop my wife's an invalid but we should we, we, i do all the shopping and uh judah often helps me out and uh, people, I have people sort of wink and nod and say, I'm Republican too. 
if we could have a, a man who said we welcome people to, uh, totally depend uh, without regard to their sexual preference, I don't think it would take anything away from the party and just add to the party. And that there's an interesting footnote to that, if I may. Uh, that is, there are very, very few homosexuals in America as a percentage of the population. Very, very few. But in terms of their energy, they're very large. They're just, I'm just like the uh, pro-abortion, that's wildly pro-abortion, is a very small number of people, but they're extremely energetic. I think they're not good people, but uh, I beg your pardon, but they are very energetic. And I think we need people similar, with similar dynamism to welcome the gay community into the uh, Republican Party. Yeah, Judah, if I could piggyback off that, before I was a radio broadcaster, I was an elected official. And one of the things- You're an officer. What's that? What office did you hold, sir? I was as small as you could get. I was a town council member. God bless you. Hey, that's how Bernie Sanders got to pretty much where he is. He won one vote in a mayoral victory in, in Vermont, and here we are with this uh, piece of garbage, one vote. So you, yeah. Who are you talking about? Bernie Sanders. He won one vote? I think he won the mayoral victory by one vote in his town in Vermont, and that set his career. But go on, Rob. Well, the, the, the point was, when I ran, we, we won and won big, but the big reason was, even in a local election, I would knock on people's door and they'd go, no one's ever come to my door and asked for my vote, asked for my vote. Like just simply showing up and saying, we have these points of commonality, let's roll together. And the fact that you show up and ask for the vote on a local level, on a state level, on a federal level, it's all significant. And the Republicans are afraid to speak to blocks of people and they're afraid to ask for the vote. And if you don't ask and if you don't converse and if you don't find points of commonality, which so many people have and they don't even know about, you have no chance to win. But I, if I were a Republican person going around campaigning, I'd be scared to go into some of these non-white neighborhoods. I, I would be personally scared. I, and uh, I don't blame Republicans for being scared. And I mean, to go around here uh, in my community out here in the desert near Palm Springs, that's not scary at all. But to go around the uh, non-white neighborhoods in some of these areas, I think that's quite frightening. I, I don't blame people for being scared. And with all due respect, I completely agree. It's, it's wonderful to be asked to vote for someone, uh, but uh, sometimes it's too frightening. Uh, I used to watch George Bush, do, George Bush 43 do it, and he did it beautifully. And he's a fearless, incredibly strong guy. But not everyone is fearless and incredibly strong. Now, I have to disagree with you on this, Ben, because I believe people do want to be spoken to. I do believe in many I, churches, in, in, in many churches, they want to be spoken to. What say you, Lindsay Marie? No, I think that people want to be spoken to and they want people to ask for their vote. And it reminds me of, I can't remember what election year this was, but I was out of Panera. I was clearly over 18 by a lot of years, was actually working at a campaign and Mike Pence came in when he was uh, campaigning for governor. He was making his rounds to every table, shaking hands and asking for votes. And he got to my table and he said, oh, you're not old enough to vote and kept walking. Oh, that's funny. And I have never forgotten that as long as I live, because to me, it was like the biggest slap in the face. First of all, I am clearly old enough to vote, but I to just say it flippantly and as if you don't care to talk to another Hoosier that you're representing, it just seemed very, I don't know. I wasn't was a, a fan of that. It was a mistake. It was a mistake, but I'm sure he, he regrets it. 
Ben, somebody asked, what, what was the first thing your Alex, your wife, was wearing when you met her? I, I happen to remember it exactly. A blue satin dress with a full skirt, and uh, she looked so beautiful. I'd never seen anyone look so beautiful in my whole life. I had, at the time, a wonderful, incredibly great girlfriend. Uh, who had been my girlfriend when I was a senior in college, and she was a great, great girl, wonderful girl, and she's gone on to tremendous success as a lawyer. But my wife, it was love at first sight. My wife was so beautiful. And we've been together for 54 years. That's pretty amazing. And uh, she's, I think, looks to just saw her uh, as I was walking across our house to get to this uh, computer. And uh, I think she looks more beautiful than ever. She's the same. Um, Hey, Judith. Yes. This may, I hope I have another opportunity to do this again, but just in case I don't, I have to ask this question. It came from a very important person to Ben, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Better role for you, Ben, Ferris Bueller or planes, trains, and automobiles? Ferris by a million miles. I, I mean, the blended planes and trains was way, way, way too short, barely anything. Uh, but boy, it's fun to be an actor. Last night, for the trillionth time, I watched... Uh, uh, Tropic Thunder bajillions time and I thought boy they really have got it right about acting that is such a fun job to think you get paid for doing that is unbelievable and and just so you, you know Rob if you because you haven't listened to the show before Ben is um, you know somebody else says Ferris was the greatest day of his life he considers it to be the great the, the filming of that day he wasn't meant to be on screen um, it was, uh, the, the, the kids were all cracking up and what John Hughes and Matthew Broderick were hearing it and they were like, and it was all ad-lib pretty much. His whole scene was ad-lib. That was a, all I mean, not pretty it much. was a course that you were, you were giving at that time at somewhere, I believe. And, um, but planes, trains to us, and Ben said this the night John Hughes died on CNN, he said that it was the, um, the uh, death of the salesman of this generation. Well, I think it's more than that. I think it's the, the ultimate uh, movie about work. And I, it's one of it's it's in my top five or five favorite. No offense to Ferris, but Planes, Trains to me uh, touched a nerve that um, that that, that it, it um that and here's this is getting back to it because. We've lost our way as far as creativity goes too. And, I, and, and you know, we, we talk about these movies that brought people together, okay? That brought generations, brought different, I would hope races, ages, everything together. If you don't watch Planes, Trains and Automobiles and walk away laughing and thinking, I can't remember the last time I've seen a movie that had that effect on me. Maybe it was a movie like Tropic Thunder for me, The Hangover, or certain, 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 but not, not nothing to that effect, obviously. But uh, I think, Lindsay, we've lost our way creativity-wise. I mean. Yeah, and I think I've said this a million times. I think the left has a monopoly on comedy. Like late night shows, there's not even a centrist host on any of the late night shows, anything on Comedy Central. So, if you want to watch that kind of stuff, comedy, late night, see your favorite actors and artists, um, you have to listen to these jokes that I don't find that funny most of the time. And well, a lot of times, so I can, right. so I can, right. a lot of times I can separate the political message behind between the actual joke, the craft of it, but it's just, it gets old over and over. Like I've not, I didn't vote for Trump, 
but listening to the same Trump jokes every night for how 365 days is exhausting. You know, when he, um, when it came out that he probably wasn't going to win the election, these people lost basically their livelihoods because all they did was get paid to make fun of this man who is not going to be in the power anymore. So what are they going to make fun of now? Um, I wish I could see more either libertarians or conservatives or even independents get into comedy because gosh, I want jokes to laugh at that are political. I want javelin satire that pushes against the government in ways that no one's doing it. Well, you are so incredibly right. And I, I was, I gave Jimmy Kimmel his first job on television. He was my co-host on Win Ben's Times Money. And I was the only Republican on the Comedy Central lineup. And I remember at one point we were having a contest, one of our shows was set up such that the winner would give his, his prize money to the charity of his choice. And I was the winner. And uh, I said, okay, I'll give it to the National Rights of Life. And every the, the representative of Comedy Central was in the audience and laughing, laughing, laughing. And I said, I don't get it, what's the joke? And she said, you're kidding, you're, you're not seriously pro-life. I said, yeah, I'm very seriously pro-life. And she said, well, okay, well, we can't do that. So we we'll have to reshoot the end of the show. And we, you can't do it. You're, we're not going to allow you to do it. And I'm weak. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll make it. Uh, I forget what charity it was, but some other charity for children. That's an insane story. I mean, just so you understand, Rob, Ben's written three movies at least that he didn't get credit for that people took, uh, that they said the only way they would do the movie if his name wasn't on it. Right, um, because of my connection being a conservative and my connection with Richard Nixon. And when I used to be a writer for one of Norman Lear's shows and was in the audience, uh, the producers of the show would resident always permanently, constantly introduce me to the audience as our, our resident fascist. <laughs> Hey, Ben, quick question, because I remember as a kid watching Win Ben Stein's Money, that it was a great show and, and never oh, missed it. And, and all these years later, it's still immensely popular. God was it weird to you that, that, that Hollywood and these shows and these, these TV studios and these television stations would rather lose money? They're so wed to a political ideology that they'd rather lose money than, than just let something out there that they don't agree with? Yeah, I'm afraid so. They, uh, the, yeah. the ideological uh, grip uh, on Hollywood by the left is extremely serious and uh, not always economically sensible. By the way, we're um, going to go a few minutes over because a lot of people do have questions. Um, but yes, I like Rob, that. We can go as long as we want. Yeah, but Rob, yes, in the old days, I used to get into this argument with a friend of mine who's an actor in the industry, and he would say, Oh, he would always say all movies make money. And it, what's funny is Forrest Gump didn't because through Hollywood accounting, it actually lost money. They always but, say uh, that. They always they, say they, they, they don't really care anymore. You know, if you look at the, the gross of movies and then the movies have been getting annihilated for the past four to five years um, as far as losing money because it's not their money. It's other people's money. You know, if, if, if it was their own money and they weren't, um, you know, and Ben's wife was a huge, this was Ben's wife's job was signing these contracts. And, you know, they just don't care um, anymore about this. Um, but Ben, one of the questions I wanted to bring up was, um, what were some of the movies that you didn't 
get made then that you're, uh, it was murder in Mississippi, right? Well, no, it got made. Oh, no, no, it very much got made. And it was a no, great, no, they, it won a lot, of, won a lot of prizes. Uh, uh, that, that I, I thought of the story, well, the story was a true life story, but I brought it to a producer uh, from Israel, an Israeli woman, and uh, she had never heard of it. They'd never heard of the whole issue of civil rights or even had any idea where Mississippi was. And uh, I wrote the outline of the story. Uh, we got it, uh, we, uh, she, we got it to set up to, to uh, get, get ready to go. At a certain point, uh, she called me and she said, oh, uh, I've worked it out such that I'm going to get all the credit and you'll get a few thousand dollars. And, uh, and that's it. And I said, well, you're kidding. We have a contract uh, that, that calls for me to be the producer and to get paid a certain amount of money if it gets paid. She said, so sue me. So I sued that old witch. And uh, she came to the door of my house and the audience was pounded on the door. And she said, you sued me. And I said, well, Tova, you told me to sue you. And so that was one. And that got me. That was a very successful one. And a darn good movie, although horrible anti-Christian scenes in it that I had nothing to do with. They just put them in there just to be shits. Pardon the crew's voice, please. Two, a movie about a, a Russian take, a Soviet takeover of the United States. Uh, there's turned out to be a 14 and a half hour miniseries. And uh, I was supposed to be a producer. And uh, story by the guy who was a director uh, said, I will not work on this. I will not do anything on this if Ben Stein's name appears on the screen because he worked for Nixon. And they offered me quite a lot of money to take my name off the screen. And they said they'd give me another screen by deal on another show. So, and I took, I said, okay, I'll take it. I, I, money's a great thing. I'll take it. And then, uh, and you can take my name off. And uh, then the third, the third one was, um, it was the third one about drugs. I can't remember. It wasn't about a stewardess. Anyway, I can't remember. But uh, this happened to me over and over, over and over. And went, oh no, 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 no! It, it was about drugs. It was my, it was my wonderful, wonderful book, Ludes, about quaalude addiction. And it took a long time to get made. And then a close friend of the producer got the credit, even though I had written almost every word. And I was, and we brought it to the Writers Guild to arbitrate it. And uh, we presented our case. And I went into the men's room and said, one of the toilet stalls. I heard two of the judges walk in and say, I'll be damned if I give any credit to a son of a bitch who worked for Richard Nixon. And I didn't get credit. I should, I should have sued. I didn't. I have, there were others. That's just three of them. This is, it, it, it's insane. And, and I, I just I want to get back to this thing about because, you know, with Lindsay being, you know, you're into this, you know, we, we've lost our way creative-wise. And I believe that is the way to, uh, to bridge the gap in our country. You know, I, I, you know, I was, I, where was I today? You know, you, you go on Netflix or Amazon or HBO Max and it says, black, it gives me black movie suggestions, <laughs> okay? That is not a way to bridge the gap to getting us together as people. Just have movie selections, okay? I, I had lent my Netflix account years ago to somebody I was very close to, and this is a true story. Netflix, um, they were the person was gay, and Netflix started giving me rec certain recommendations, and I thought that was hysterical. But that's because it's an algorithm. But don't suggest to me that I watch black. It's like on iTunes has the same thing, I believe, or Apple Music. They have the same like black artists used to be listening to. 
How is that bridging the gap? I ask that to all of you. I mean, it's it's not. No, they don't want to bridge the gap. They want to control. They, want, they don't want reconciliation. They want control. And uh, they want to work it out. And by the way, they don't really give that much of a damn about how much money the studio shareholders are making. They are making lots and lots of money themselves. I have a, a fairly close friend, actually has a very nice house down there in the desert near mine. Not as nice as mine. And he, and, uh, he, uh, he, uh, Although at a much fancier club, and he and uh, he uh, he said to me, the job of a studio executive is to take the stockholders' money and put it in his own pocket, and that's unfortunately true. And the, the ideology comes ahead of, of of taking good care of the stockholders. And uh, we are and we are running out of time, but um, Lindsay, can you stump Mr. Stein? Uh, I'll let Rob go first. Let me give me a second. Oh no! Oh no! 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 no. It's your birthday. I'm you most dumpy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway. Go ahead, Lindsay. No, this is Rob's uh, first time on the show and birthday, yeah, so I feel like I love that Rob has such affinity for you, Ben. Like most people do, and and, and that, that's what bothers me. I got to be honest with you guys so much about this this disdain that people have, and the people that are listening is, you know, I get to hang out with Ben quite often, and we're in certain areas that you wouldn't think. They, you know, with all this divisiveness, you know, and I, I'll never forget, we were on top of the, the parking lot of the pavilions in West Hollywood. And like, there were three transsexuals that walked up to us. And I was like, oh, you know, and like, can we have your picture? And, 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 that was, and it was amazing. And then there was another really sad thing. We were at Petty Four, I believe it was. And it was one of the most famous actresses in the world. And she looks at Ben and Ben goes, but what do you say? I, I think you're famous. You look like a star. And she's like, well, you know, and she said, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know, I have been. And, and, and um, she, she said, I, he, Ben didn't ask. She said, I would love to take a picture, but I can't. And, 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 and you know, because somehow she took taking a picture in this generation is posting it on Instagram. You can't just have a private picture for your own phone. You have that, to, who was that? Was it Doris Day? She's been in every. All I'll say is she's been in every blockbuster, pretty much every blockbuster movie for the past fifteen years. She has been in four different of the most biggest blockbuster movies. Of the we can't remember her name. <laughs> it's um, it reminds me of when I first moved here. Wifey and I were eating at Mr. Chow, a very famous restaurant here. And the woman was sitting next to me, and uh, she and uh, I said to her, "You look very familiar to me. Are you my real estate agent?" And she turned to the woman she was having dinner with, and she said, "Look, that's what I've come to. He thinks I'm his real estate agent." And it was, in fact, Doris Day, whom you guys probably don't remember. She's a huge, 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 huge star. It was the, it's the it's the woman from um, Guardians of the Galaxy and Avatar and all those movies. I can't remember her name. I always get bad. I think that's Lindsay Murray. Uh, the Lindsay Murray would probably know who it is, and it doesn't really matter. But um, we, like I said, we are running out of time. But I want to tell everybody in the YouTube chat if you um, um, uh, send me a message at Judah Friedman with your address, and you'd like an autographed copy of one of Ben's book. It could be any of his books. Um, that we could get uh, what from the capitalist code to my favorite, which is Ludes, um, which is the movie that became um, the boost, by the way, which he was talking Sorry, about. James Woods and Sean Starring Young. James Woods and Sean Young. It was the movie that, yeah, the, them two did not get along very well. And uh, please send me your address. We will gladly sign you an autograph book of Ben. 
So you guys have two chances, one chance to stump the stein. So uh, Rob, you had a second to think about it. Uh, yeah, I have. So I'm going to do an Indiana question, but it's a political government question. So I hope that'll work. Indianapolis was not the original state capital of Indiana. Can Ben name the original state capital of Indiana? No. I can't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's Corridan, Indiana. It's what? Corridan, Indiana. Say it again. Corridan. Okay. Well, God bless him. I want to know what, what I want to know what Lindsay Marie is doing for Christmas Eve. I mean, New Year's mm -hmm. Eve, sorry. I'm here with you guys, so. Hey. <laughs> what are you doing, Rob? I'm here with you. Got it. What are you doing? Are you going to drive down here and see no, me? I'll be, down, I'll be down there tomorrow. It's a little too late for me tonight. All right, well, God bless you, sir. God I, will bless you. Be, I will be down there tomorrow. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. But I Thank you so, so much, and God bless America. Yeah. God bless fully, America. We're not fully done yet. I want to thank Rob and tell people again where they can listen to you every day. 93.1 WIBC weekdays, nine to noon. I want to thank you, Judah. I want to thank Lindsay Murray. And most importantly, I want to thank Ben. This is like a bucket list thing. You're the best. Thank you so much, guys. And of course, and Lindsay Marie, please read her piece today. It's great. Um, where could they find that piece? Dailydrunkmag.com. And, okay. and, and uh, if everybody read Rock Breath's new piece, he has set up a WordPress site, and I echo, I've echoed it. I will be echoing it. Rock, Rock Breath uh, is a really talented guy, and he's a big fan of the show, and I encourage everybody to read it. I will answer one more question. The reason I'm in this is I'm in a new apartment, and I don't have anything up yet, and we usually do the show from Ben's house, where Ben, I'm in the one room, Ben's in the other room. So that's why we have this. I have the wonderful scenery for it. Looks like I'm in a cube. Um, and video. I just want to thank everybody. You can find us, me at I'm Parlor at Judah Friedman. You can find Ben Stein at Ben Stein. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your loved ones, tell everybody to listen to the world according to Ben Stein. We will back, be back next Tuesday night. I want to wish everybody a happy new year. Happy and healthy and drive safely. Hopefully, we, 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 we're able to help a little bit. And Lindsay, you look great in that scene from New York. Um, I, ben Stein is your Anderson Cooper. And on that note, I want to thank everybody again. Have a great night, people. Thank you. We, we you shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I know that I do believe we shall overcome.